Welcome everyone, this is the 31 Days of Dread, and I am your host, Peter A. DeLuca, aka Pad, and this is where we do one horror movie a day for the entire month of October. That's 30, if you can't count, that's 31 movies celebrating the greatest genre of them all, the greatest experimentational platform of them all, the greatest young filmmaker discoverer of them all. It is horror, 31 days coming at you. Look out, ghouls and ghosts, it gets spooky. Alright everyone, coming out of that intro hot, this is what I call the telethon portion of the podcast. This is where I pitch myself to you for your support. Your support means everything to me because we're, we're, we're fighting. The AKA Pad Army is fighting against algorithms everywhere algorithms I, I ate some cereal earlier today i dumped it into my bowl and it was full of algorithms okay bad joke all right sharing this podcast telling your friends about it leaving comments leaving reviews this is how we grow aka pads audio audacity your support there is more valuable than than than, than anything other than like a high five in person because i'd love a high five in person AKA Patters, we are here. Welcome to Fear Street for the 31 Days of Dread. Fear Street, look, Fear Street for me came out of nowhere. I didn't know what it was until I got into it, but it's a horror trilogy. I'll say that again. It's a, it's a designed horror trilogy. It's a three-movie drop. Fear Street 1994, Fear Street 1978, and Fear Street 1666. Now, if you just look at those years... Uh, if you're familiar with uh, how we tell horror stories, it, like you know what the, the tropes built into these titles. What's the trope? The trope is we're going to reverse engineer the source of the evil landing in 1666 because it is 666. And this will be the curse. This will be the reoccurring event that we get every decade, every 10 years, so on and so forth. The idea that this movie takes place in the 90s or like the first one, is amazing the way it's shot uh we're in a song coast video like all these callbacks all of these um they're almost like reflections of my of my mind's eye they are uh, an extrapolation of so much of my mall experience growing up fear street 1994 definitely is designed for nostalgia to give you a um a wink a nudge a, a little cute elbow and says hey you you remember this wasn't this cool there's a amazing, uh, you know, trumping even Stranger Things. The food court design for this mall is is there. It's freaking awesome. So there's those things, and then we reverse engineer the curse. We have three movies to do it, and Netflix has emerged at this point because Stranger Things solidified like this long form horror storytelling you know you can kind of attribute uh, american horror story for that also the longevity of american horror story is really what um netflix is tapping into but we forget a couple years ago netflix made you know what it was documented here on this very podcast but netflix made this investment they made an investment on like horror movies coming out around october 
and Stranger Things changed, like they it transformed that investment because maybe like the horror movies weren't getting the the exact type of traction. I mean, they even they had a month. I think they dropped like three Stephen King adaptations in one freaking month. But now it seems, and Fear Street says that Squid Game says that our next episode wrapping up the Thirty One Days of Dread Midnight Mass says that. What it says it's. Can we get eight hours out of horror? Can we, you know, like can can we get six hours? Is it seven hours? What's what's the exact digestion of horror to where people feel satisfied? Indeed, this is the data. These are the analytics that Netflix owns. Okay, and 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 as long as they own that, they will be able to make these judgments on how they deliver their content and and fear street is so unique because we never seen like a intended trilogy dropped and made at the same time outside of lord of the rings okay and no <laughs> and no one seems to be responding to it no one it just at least seems to be uh excited about that and i really feel like look when you tap your audience on the shoulder and you say, look, we we got something for you, but we're going to require this much time. Th- you know, that's an exchange. Uh, you're asking for people's time, Netflix. And with Fear Street, you know, like you, like you, you kind of wanted, like just watching this, you wanted this to be bigger. You wanted this to be popular. You wanted this deconstruction. The, this is everything that Scream was built on, especially like the 1978 summer camp uh, uh movie or episode or installment is freaking awesome the 1966 one or the 1666 one is freaking awesome now we go into some of these like counter tropes we go into um like the the source of the curse is uh, you know like because i really don't want to spoil this i really want people to watch it but it goes against type and it goes against type because we're in an age of storytelling where anything goes and there is a, a, a experimentation trend happening as of relationships within characters and sexuality and identification and all of these things. And a lot of these creators are latching on to what's new and what's relevant and what's happening. But they're also storytelling devices or storytelling tools. So all of this like SJW, all this like wokeism, these are tools to tell stories and fear street leans into it doesn't go overboard and i think that's a lot of what the source is and i didn't even know this until like i had to research this right before i sat down because i was just so curious because i kept thinking about it i'm like man like fear street is just so packed there's just so much there it's amazing so you know you google it you look it up and you you see that fear street's based on a a novel series by rl stein the mastermind behind goosebumps who's also writing a garbage pail kid novel series and your boy over here has to read those because i'm beyond curious about what the <laughs> what that's going to be like but yeah and we have this mastery of rl stein tapping into the genre that i mean rl stein is top two top three horror creators just when it comes to like volume and content and absorption it's like stephen king dean coons rl stein but the true maester of them all is clive barker for sure yeah i don't care that 
Clive Barker has a low bibliography. Uh, what he does or what he did, uh, he's on like a Lovecraftian or HP Lovecraft level. Like you don't have to endlessly create to be the best. You just don't. But yeah, and it's I think this trilogy, Netflix making the investment into it, realizing what they could do, letting their creators create. But this really solidifies R.L. Stein as as our beat maker. Like he has his finger on the pulse, and he really knows where like the current is crashing, where it's going, where it's coming from. So I don't know. I think along the way, this is a worthwhile investment for your time. And if you want to deconstruct everything about the slasher, uh, like norms, the, the slasher tropes. I mean, this is very much like Josh Whedon's Cabin in the Woods, but long form and detailed and fun. This movie has, or these movies have a ton of awesome characters. They're kids. They're running around. They're trying to figure things out. It's just cool. Great deaths. Uh, beautiful. Wonderfully shot. And a big shout out to our um, di like director, Leah Janik, who made a movie called Honeymoon. And she also directed a an episode of the Scream TV show in, 19, uh, in 2015 called The Orphanage. But yeah, so she made this movie in 2014 called Honeymoon. And I would want to say that on the strength of this movie, she got her entire career. And uh, I'm very curious about Honeymoon. So Honeymoon came out in yeah 2014, grossed uh, $24,000 in the box office. I, I really, I just have to watch this. So we're going to put this one on the list. 31 Days of Dread, everyone. We are wrapping it up with Midnight Mass. More Netflix. And yeah, I got some things to say about Midnight Mass, so hang tight. And to continue this telethon, we're not talking about high five. There's other ways to support me. I, I'm a living professional. I'm a full-time freelancer. Anything you see on this, like here on this podcast or see my social media, I, I make everything. It's all made by me. That's a part of my pitch to you. And you can purchase professional services through akapad.com that's a pipeline to me if you want to send me a message but also while you're there you can sign up for my newsletter you're going to get deals you're going to get coupons you're going to get two free trading cards mailed to you free worldwide and they're two wolf pack trading cards two original characters you know for upcoming comic book work and speaking of comic books you can go to etsy type in uzi Susie, and that's where you're going to find my mini comic you can purchase existing issues and pre-order upcoming issues along with bundles if you missed any like issue one, two, or three or whatever. There, Uzi Susie is waiting for you. And keep an eye on Indiegogo. A lot of my bigger comic book projects will be available through Indiegogo. All of those updates will be here on this podcast. So if you're a regular listener, I'll let you know. We can rock and roll from there. So everyone... Thank you so much, and feel free to reach out to me on social media, aka Pad69, Instagram, and Xbox. That's right, you can play Halo with me. Just straight up aka Pad on Twitter, straight up aka Pad on the Facebook. My business page is there, my personal page is there. Hey, be a personal friend of mine. I don't care. Let's talk movies, let's talk creativity, let's talk fun, and just who cares? 
do you like you know the transformer movies i love them we can talk about that all night so meet me there and we'll rock and roll let's get talking we got a movie to discuss